exactly this stuff. Adonai, uh, we thank you for today. We thank you for your presence here. Above all things, that's all that matters is uh, who you are and how we have the honor and the privilege and the freedom to come before you uh, to worship you. I just ask as uh, we go forth with today's message that it would be your words that come out of my mouth and your words alone. I pray, God, that you would encourage hearts today, that we would each have ears to hear, a heart to receive, the will to obey uh, your words. And I just pray that uh, your Ruach would go forth, God, to truly touch hearts on this day. Uh, I just submit myself to you and to your Ruach in Yeshua's name. Amen. Uh, we've been doing a series, Hope in a Hopeless World. And the last few weeks, we've been um, covering that topic with Rabbi Michael speaking on the necessity of hope. He listed all the reasons why we need hope in this world and how hope will help us to live. Uh, the second week, he discussed how to have hope in a hopeless world and taught us that we need to get hold of hope through a relationship and we get into a relationship with God through being born from above and believing in Yeshua and his ways. And then last week, Rabbi Carol talked about the anchor of our hope, and that is Yeshua, who he is, his word, and his promises fulfilled. And she ended her teaching encouraging us to never give up hope, and she spoke on Avraham and his unwavering faith. So today I'm concluding our series on hope in a hopeless world, and I'm going to be talking about the fruit of hope. See, when we're living in a world surrounded by all this hopelessness and surrounded by hopeless situations and circumstances, we have the ability to implement what we learned over the last two weeks. So when we understand our need for hope and we understand how to have hope and we understand that Yeshua is the anchor of our hope, what is the fruit of making the decision to live in hope? So I have three simple things that I consider, and I believe the word will back that up, of putting our hope in Yeshua and what the fruit of that would look like in our life. And the first thing is renewed strength. I have a bunch of scripture verses, no PowerPoint, so ebook or tree book. If you have your phone, make it your ebook and not Facebook. Deal? Give me a thumbs up. All right. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. I believe this was our uh, Haftarah portion last week, if I'm not mistaken. It says, But those who hope in Adonai will renew their strength. They will soar aloft as with eagles' wings. When they are running, they won't grow weary. When they are walking, they won't get tired. So I wanted to pull the context of this scripture and give you a little background on it. So I'm going to start from verse 27. Same chapter, Isaiah 40, now verse 27. It says, Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, and they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. 
So here the prophet is speaking to the people of God, captives in Babylon, is he challenging them in their unbelief and in their hopelessness, right? Their spirit under affliction, they're questioning God and they're tired. And he's saying, where is your hope? If you put your hope in God, your strength will be renewed. He's saying God has not forgotten you. God has not forsaken you. You may have grown weary, but he never grows weary. You may be tired and you may be facing a hopeless situation, but you can renew your strength when you put your hope in him. So I wanted to break that scripture down a little bit. What is hope, right? We say hope and faith. What really is the definition of hope? What is God saying that we need to have in order for our strength to be renewed? So, by definition, hope is a feeling of expectation for a certain thing to happen, a feeling of trust. So hope is living with the expectation and trust in who God is and what his word says. Rabbi Michael actually went over this in week one, defining what hope is. So the scripture is saying we have to have trust in God to renew our strength. So what is strength? It's the state of being strong. I love when you look up definitions. Definition of strength, the state of being strong. Okay, well now what does it mean to be strong? To be strong is having power to move heavy weights, perform physical demanding tasks. But it also means to be able to withstand great force or pressure. So God is saying here in the scripture, if you live with expectation and trust for the things of my word to happen, your ability to withstand great force and pressure will be renewed. And then he makes the imagery about eagles. So when preparing for this message, I did a little research on eagles. Just for the record, if it's on the internet, it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. You may have known that. I learned that very quickly. So I did a lot of research on eagles, and I learned so many cool things, and I'm writing it all up in my message, and I'm doing more research, and the more I research everything that I'm writing, another page says that's absolutely false, and eagles don't do any of that. And then I had to redo my message because I found it on the Internet, and I thought it was true, and apparently eagles don't do a majority of the things that you read on the Internet. So... Google eagles when you go home, and they do not pluck their beaks out and rip their talons out and pull all their feathers out and live another 30 years. It's all a myth. You'll see. (laughs) A lot of misinformation on the Internet. So I pulled out a book. Somehow books, to me, are a little bit more reliable. I pulled out a book and got some facts about eagles. And there's a lot to say about eagles. I don't know if you guys are bird people. I am not. I'm not an outdoor person. If it has to do with the outdoors, I don't care about it at all. Birds bugs, grass, boats, water, I don't care. (laughs) So I had to research a little bit. Eagles can achieve um, speeds of 30 miles per hour with their wing beats. Uh, They can, it's called stoop, so they could dive for prey up to 100 miles per hour. Golden eagles up to 150 miles per hour. They actually use the winds um, as well as updrafts coming off the hills to gain altitude, and they soar using the winds to carry them for great distances. And they have these big wings that are like seven to eight feet, uh, their wingspan. And there's a lot that will correlate to our spiritual walk, right? So eagles use the wind to make it great distances. We need to rely on the ruach 
in order to sustain us. And, you know, they're able to attack and kill prey. Did you know that? I think it was the golden eagle could uh, one time was known to kill an animal as big as an antelope or an antelope itself. So eagle antelope, think about that, right? And for us, we should be able to take down powers and principalities greater than us because of he who lives in us. So a lot of correlation, but that's not where I wanted to spend my time today. I wanted to focus on something different, and that's about our hope being renewed. Why would you need to be renewed is because sometimes we walk around hopeless. So we talk about hope in a hopeless world, and a lot of things are hopeless around us, but the truth is sometimes we are hopeless. And God is saying today, for those who are hopeless, your hope can be renewed. You see, when hope begins to die within you, your strength and ability to endure under great pressure begins to diminish. Without hope, you don't have the same ability to face circumstances with the same strength as you do when you have hope in God. So I'll share a couple of examples. You guys can smile at me if you relate. When you struggle with your finances and you have hope and you know that God is going to come through and you know that he's going to make a way and you're not always going to struggle, you're diligent with your finances, you tithe with your finances, and you're doing the best that you can. When you are hopeless, which I have been at times, when I remember times I didn't even have enough money for groceries and my mom was paying my grocery bill, somehow without that hope I lost the ability to to endure under the pressure of the finances, and I literally just spent whatever I had. I went to the store, I grabbed this, I grabbed that. It's just all of a sudden that debit card was flying, 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 because that hopelessness made everything in that situation begin to die, and the strength to even process what I should be doing with my finances, because who cares? It's never going to get better anyway. And we do that a lot in our lives, right? So think about your health, how many times we struggle to eat healthy, to live healthy, to exercise healthy. And when we're motivated, right, Um, I love to watch all those motivating videos. You can do this. And you're like, yes. But when you're hopeless, what's another donut? What's fast food five times a week? Who cares? What does it matter? And the strength and the ability to handle those situations properly begins to die. And that's across the board. In your marriages, when you're standing in faith for your marriage, you're making good decisions. You're going to watch your hot thoughts. You're going to watch your actions. But when you're hopeless, your strength and your ability to endure under something that seems so hopeless, that's never going to change, and God's never going to come through, you begin to entertain thoughts and actions that are not of God. You stop putting effort in. You stop communicating. You stop connecting. And hope Listness. Without that hope, you lose the ability and the strength to endure in these situations. Think about the widow at Zarephath. You guys remember? She says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home, make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. Hopelessness will lead to despair, and despair will lead to death and destruction, even if it's only destruction of your hope in those situations, which changes your strength to face those situations in faith 
and in hope. And so when we go back to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says those who hope in Adonai renew their strength. When you have the hope, you're renewing the ability to endure those pressures and those situations, and you will soar aloft as with eagle's wings. And again, running, not growing weary, walking and not getting tired. And this is where I want to spend my time to renew our strength by putting our hope in God. It's a very interesting fact about the eagles that I did find out. I think you guys know they're our national emblem, right? The eagle? They were adopted as our national emblem in 1782 by the Continental Congress. Benjamin Franklin actually opposed this decision. And here's the reason why. This is very interesting. He and an ornithologist, study of birds, guy who studied birds, I looked that up too. <laughs> Got to make sure you know your words, right? So he and this guy, the ornithologist, uh, Arthur Cleveland Bent, they actually didn't agree with this decision. Here's the quote. They commented that because eagles tend to eat previously killed prey sometimes, or they feed off of smaller, weaker prey, they hardly inspire respect and certainly do not exemplify the best in American character. And they actually use the word lazy when speaking about eagles. Interesting, right? These strong, powerful birds that we always hear so much about, they did not want this bird to be our national emblem because they're lazy and they eat little animals. They don't always kill the big antelope and the deer. And the reason why is because Eagles are actually very sedentary birds, and they remain on a perch. They can remain on a perch for hours at a time. So they're basically saying, why are you picking this bird? It's lazy. And here's the truth, as quoted in the book that I had. It's not laziness, but rather competence. See, the article stated that other birds waste all of their energy frantically going out to make sure that they can get food. So they spend their day, I got to go out and make sure I get food, and am I going to get enough food? Am I going to be able to kill the prey? Is there going to be prey for me to have? And they spend all their day frantically, and the eagle kind of chills out on the perch because the article says the eagle knows and is certain that when it goes out to hunt, it's going to get food. So its energy comes from the fact that it preserves itself, not spending its whole day frantically looking for food, but preserving its energy, hanging out on a perch, because it knows it will get food when it's time. Think on that. Their strength is found in their ability to rest, because they rest in certainty. It is their rest that allows their strength. For us, hope allows us to rest, and that rest renews our strength. This is what hope does in our life. When we can rest in the certainty of God, in who he is, in what his word says in our situations and circumstances. We don't need to be frantically handling these situations and hopelessness, but we can rest in his presence 
and in his word, which renews our strength. He truly is our anchor. And when we are certain of that, and when we put our hope in him, our energy and our efforts and our strength is renewed in that certainty. So I wanted to think of an example to give you. When we think of the children of Israel, they're always freaking out, right? So when Moses first comes on, on the, the scene, they're like, oh, you came and now everything is worse. And they're always frantically, and why'd you come and do this? And now we're going to die and we're never going to be able to meet our quota. And then they're freed and all the, the ten plagues happen and they're freed. And what happens? The Red Sea comes and what do they do? They freak out again, all their energy freaking out. What are we going to do? Now we're going to die. We're either going to drown ahead of us or the Egyptians are going to come and kill behind us. And it was better off if we stayed in Egypt and all of their energy worrying, what if? And this is going to happen here and that's going to happen there. And constantly, frantically moving. And the same thing when they're in the desert. Where's our food? And we don't have water. And we're going to die here. Always frantically worried about the situations and the circumstance. And Moshe? Relax, wait and see what the Lord is going to do. He's going to come through. He had this certainty that God was always going to make a way. And if we want to be a little truthful, which I'll, I'll do it for you, we are just like the children of Israel. And I'll give you an example. Where's Moises? Moises, I asked your wife Tiffany if it was okay to share. So I'll start with me first. A couple months ago. My husband's not here. He's downstairs. He had to go to Florida to help uh, clean out his grandmother's house when his grandmother passed away. I think he was going to be gone for three days. Don't laugh at me. I'm going to be a little transparent. I think he was going to be gone for three days, and I had to meet him in Virginia. I was going to drive to Virginia to meet him in Virginia at his brother's house. So Rena totally freaked out. Oh my gosh, how am I going to do this by myself? The baby's going to wake up at night. I'm going to have the worst time in the world. And what if he doesn't finish the house in Florida? And then he's not going to pack up his stuff in time. And I'm going to be in Virginia. And he's not going to be in Virginia. And then if I leave the baby here at my mom and the baby has an ear infection, and then I have to leave Virginia by myself. And oh my goodness, what if it goes late at night and I get stuck on the side of the road? And it's just going to be a mess. And if you ask him, I probably cried almost every single night. I cannot do three days without you. There's too many tangibles. And you're going to go with your brother. And your brother's not very organized and what if you only get one truck but there's enough stuff and you need two trucks and then it's going to be twice the amount of money and this I did this forever constantly like frantically freaking out what if and this could happen and we watched Christopher Robin last night I was piglet you know piglet oh catastrophe everything is going to be a mess it's going to be horrible that's me that's the children of Israel and that's what the little birds do constantly frantically doing right eagles they're like, it's going to work out. So I hear that Moises had to go, this was like a, a month ago, because of some paperwork and his job, he had to go to Spain. And they said anywhere from three to six months. Now I heard this and I go to Tiffany and said, oh my God, how are you going to do three to six months? I couldn't even do three days. And she was just like, well, we have a lot to work out. You know, I have a full-time job. She's also in school and she has the kids and the kids have soccer. And she's like, we'll try and find somebody to watch the kids and we'll pay them and, you know, but it'll work out. And I'm like, you guys are very calm about this, <laughs> very calm about this. And things did work out. Where's Roberta? Roberta helped with the kids multiple times. Gary and Myrna watched the kids every Wednesday. We prayed consistently 
and a total of five weeks you were gone and staying. You're here to stay. You're not visiting. Six months out the window. Now, I'm sure they had a lot of the same, you know, oh, how are we going to do this for so long? But totally different because they rested in the certainty that God was going to make a way. God was going to make a way. And if he was going to be gone for a certain amount of time, that God was going to send people to help them out. They didn't need to pay anybody for the, the Wednesdays. Gary and Myrna stepped up and did it at no cost. When you came home to stay, I believe your job covered the trip home and you didn't even have to worry about it, right? Not out of your pocket. God made a way. And when you approached them with it, they had this calmness about them because they rested in the certainty of who God is and what his word said in those situations. And that's where we renew our strength. When you live like me or the children of Israel and you're always in your brain, what if, what if, what if, you start to begin to lose your energy and your hope and your strength because everything tends to be this negative hopelessness. And God is saying, no, you will have strength to endure every situation and every circumstance that you face when you put your hope in me and the hope that he will come through in those situations. So the question is, are you standing in certainty for your situation and your life? Are you standing in certainty for your marriage, resting in the truth that God will make a way? Are you resting in the certainty that God will indeed grant the desires of your heart when you delight yourself in him? Are you trusting him with your finances, knowing that you will not go without and he will meet your needs? Are you resting in peace for the salvation of your loved ones? Are you trusting and resting in peace for your health, for the health of your loved ones? Are you resting in the truth and the certainty of who he is in your life? It's what the scriptures tell us to do. Tehillim 62.5. Yes, my soul, find rest in God because my hope comes from him. Isaiah chapter 30 says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. The fruit of hope in our life is renewed strength, and that renewal of our strength comes when we put our hope in him. The second thing, second fruit of hope. I have several scriptures here. You know, sometimes the scriptures are just going to speak for themselves, so I'm going to read a couple And I want you really to let this sink in. The fruit of hope is that hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Tehillim 69.6 Let those who put their hope in you, Adonai, Elohim, Sivaot, not be put to shame through me. Let those who are seeking you, God of Israel, not be disgraced through me. Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Yeshua, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into grace, 
in which we stand, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance, perseverance proving character, and proving character hope, and hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Ruach who was given to us. When you make the decision to rest in certainty of who God is and who his word is, in the hope that you have in God, it will not disappoint. This is one scripture in three different translations. Says the master God says, Look, I signal to the late nations, I raise my flag to summon the people. Isaiah 49, I'm sorry, 49, verse 23. Here they'll come, women, women carrying your little boys in their arms, men carrying your little girls on their shoulders. Kings will be your babysitters, princesses, your, nur- your nursemaids. They'll offer to do all your drudge work, scrub your floors, do your laundry. Think of that imagery that is going on here, right? The kings and the princesses are now going to be serving you. You'll know then that I am God and no one who hopes in me ever regrets it. Another translation says, anyone who trusts in me will not be disappointed. A third translation, those who wait for me will not be put to shame. And this is repeated over and over in Proverbs 13. Those who wait for me with hope will not be put to shame. Psalm 25, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. If you choose to put your hope in God, you will not be disappointed. Period. In all areas, you put your trust in God and he will not disappoint. Rabbi Carroll says this a lot and I can see why. I feel like I can hear your thoughts because I know my thoughts when I was writing this. Yeah, but, Rena, I kind of did put my hope in God and I am disappointed. Because I'm sick and healing still has not come. Or I've known people who were sick, and we prayed for them, and we put our hope in God, and they died. So I am disappointed. Or my marriage is not only struggling, but my husband is gone, and I'm left alone. I am disappointed. See, my children are so far away from God and not serving, and I have to watch all of their adult life of them floundering without God. I am disappointed. My finances is a mess. My health is a mess. My emotions are all over the place. My life is in shambles. I already am disappointed. I've put my hope in God in these situations, and they haven't worked out, and I am disappointed. Here is the truth. He has not disappointed you, and he will not disappoint you. Do you see? Because even in the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst, even in death itself, you will not be disappointed. The hope that we have when we put in Yeshua the Messiah, our Savior, for the forgiveness of our sins... Even in death, it holds no victory. It has no sting over us. 
we will not be disappointed. What do we sing today? Hine el Yeshuati. For those that we prayed for who were sick that did not get their healing here and they are now in heaven, they were singing, Hine el Yeshuati. I have seen salvation. They were not disappointed. And let me tell you, when we stand before the King of Kings with all of our seemingly disappointments of this world, you will not be disappointed. You will not be put to shame. Your hope in him is not futile. It's not pointless. His understanding, we may not fathom. The situations and circumstances today maybe don't make sense. Maybe you have to deal with the emotions that you're feeling with, but you have to hold on to the truth that he will not disappoint. Period. Hope in him will never, ever disappoint. It's a choice that we have to make, and it's a fruit of hope to have renewed strength and to know no matter what, you will not be disappointed. The final fruit of joy that I'm going to speak about today is joy. So like I said, I was watching Christopher Robin yesterday. Eeyore is one of my favorite characters, especially in the new movie. If you haven't seen it, it's great. It's rated PG. Such an amazing movie. But no matter what, Eeyore is just miserable. (laughs) The best of the best could be going on. He's like, this is horrible. And sometimes that's what we do. Because the truth is, we have the best of the best. Hope in Yeshua, we have the best of the best. And yes, there are situations and circumstances, some in this room that I have no clue about. But when you have Yeshua and the salvation that he offers, there should be a joy within us. Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope. Joyful in hope patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. You know, joy doesn't mean that you always have to have a smile on your face or laughing. You don't have to be Tigger, you know. Everything's great. Life is great. But we should look different than the rest of the world. We shouldn't be the piglets and Eeyores, for lack of a better example. We should be able to face those situations and circumstances with a sense of joy in who Yeshua is. You know, I think back to Tiffany when Moises had to leave. She had a joy about her. Now, I don't know personally, but there was one day here that she was in tears. It was a struggle to do everything by yourself and your husband miles away and coordinating everything. And I remember I called her a couple, uh, you know, maybe an hour after service because I was worried because she was in tears. She's like, I'm just overwhelmed, but it'll be okay. And like an hour later, I called, and she's like, I'm fine. It's going to work out. And I was like, wow, you really are fine. Joy doesn't mean you always have to smile. Yeah, you're going to have tough times. Yeah, your emotions are going to be there. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to walk through that disappointment. But there should be a joy there always knowing I have the king of kings who's got my back who's going to make a way. 
And when your joy is not there, you're going to do what the psalm says, right? Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Rena, I don't have that joy. This situation is too big. This situation is too hopeless. I don't know. My, my soul inside of me is broken. It's distraught. You're going to say, why, soul, are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So when your emotions are not there, God says, put your hope back in me. Because when you live with the fruit of hope and you put your hope in God, it gives you a joy. And people can look at your life and say, how did you deal without your husband for five months with that? How did you make it when your marriage was struggling for so long? How did you handle that sickness, that surgery that you're going to have that's going to put you out? How did you handle the fact that you lost your job and your finances weren't there? How did you handle having a kidney biopsy and now having to go to surgery? How did you handle being diagnosed with cancer and having a mastectomy? How did you handle all that and you're still joyful? Oh, because I have the king of kings on my side. You have a sovereign, merciful, loving God to put your hope in. And so that's the fruit of our hope. Number one, it renews our strength when we are able to rest in the certainty of who God is and what his word says. Number two, it will never disappoint, ever disappoint. And number three, it allows us to live a life of joy. So the encouragement to us today is will you live with hope in a hopeless world and in your hopeless situations, trusting in who God is and what his word says? Amen. You guys can stand to your feet. I will pray for you. God, I thank you for your word today, and I pray, Lord, that for those of us who are struggling with hopelessness, God, that we would truly sit at your feet and learn to rest in your presence, knowing that you truly will work things out on our behalf. I pray, God, that we would truly find joy in your word. I pray that we would live a life of joy trusting in you. And I pray that no matter what we face, what we have faced, that we would know the truth that you do not disappoint. That you are sovereign, merciful, loving, and that there will be a day that we stand before you and it's all going to fit right into place. And we will cry out, Hine el Yeshuati, I've seen salvation. And the hurts or the questions will fall away as we're enveloped by your presence. I pray, God, that we would grab hold of that and that we wouldn't just nod our heads to it, that we would begin to apply it in each and every area of our life. I thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. We will be having prayer shortly and then uh, Hebrew class after that. Amen.